When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. On the Gopher Sports Network, from Learfield, this is the Golden Gopher Podcast. Brought to you by Schuler Shoes, where happy feet is happy life. Welcome to the Golden Gopher Podcast. I'm Justin Gard from KFAN Radio and the Gopher Radio Network. We talk compliance on this week's podcast. We do a deep dive. It sounds scary, but it's not. Jeremiah Carter, the Director of Compliance and a former Gopher football player, will join us here in a minute. want to first thank our great partner, Schuler Shoes, for their great support all year long here on the Golden Gopher Podcast. Schulershoes.com is where you want to go. Get your feet set for summer, which eventually is coming. Schulershoes.com. Check out all their locations as well as their entire selection. Schulershoes.com. Thanks again for listening. Leave a rating if you can. Subscribe if you can. Tell a Gopher fan friend in your life that we are here. We definitely appreciate that. As I mentioned, our guest today is Jeremiah Carter. He is the Director of Athletic Compliance. And the way they say that with the job title, he's responsible for oversight of all athletic compliance-related issues at the University of Minnesota. He also was a football player, 1998 to 2000. 2002 in the Glenn Mason era, started as a walk-on, 
turned into a starter and an All-Big Ten player as well as an academic All-Big Ten player as well. Moved here when he was just about to start high school from Pennsylvania. We get into that towards the end. But this was a really interesting discussion going into the weeds about what compliance directors do, how it's changed in the last couple of years, how it changes every single week because something changes in the world of college sports. I think you're going to enjoy this. You can tell during this conversation I was fascinated by a couple of things with our conversation with Director of Compliance, Jeremiah Carter. Jeremiah, I want to start. Um, it's an interesting career path. I, I imagine you didn't grow up thinking that one day you would be working in compliance, but here you find yourself. <laughs> so kind of fill in the, the blanks a little bit. We're going to talk about your football career and some things that you did with the NCAA as well, but how does one get into a career in compliance like you have? Yeah, well, I mean, like like any little boy, I just I always wanted to be a compliance <laughs> officer. Um, you know, I, I uh, as a student athlete, um, at the very end of my fifth year, um, I had a, a I had an interaction with compliance, um, and it was uh, um, unlike uh, you know some folks. It was it ended up being a very positive experience for me uh, to the point where. Um, working with the, the compliance director at the time, a guy by the name of Frank Kara, um, uh, actually got my eligibility back and allowed me to compete um, in, a, in a game when um, when the NCAA had originally declared me ineligible. And that was a that was a really meaningful uh, experience for me. So when I went through uh, and, and and did you know coaching and, and, and some of the other uh, things that I did um, after college. Um, when I was looking for, you know, what is it that I'm going to do kind of with the rest of, uh, of my life? Um, you know, I went, went to the NCAA, uh, and, and worked, uh, for, for about six years. And, um, I, I enjoyed the work. Um, you know, compliance is an area that unlike other parts of, uh, athletic administration, like, you know, marketing or, uh, the business office, um, we get to work with everybody, um, you know, it's everybody's responsibility um, for compliance. So, you know, we get to meet with our fundraising staff. We get to meet with all of our coaches, all of our student athletes. Uh, we get to meet with the business office and, you know, get to know uh, what the marketing staff is doing or the communication staff is doing. So it's something new every day. And I found once I started doing the work, um, you know, you have to be really creative in the ways in which you, you viewed it, view NCAA rules and, um, the ways in which you're able to um, meet the the letter of the law and the intent, um, kind of the spirit of, of the rule as well. And, um, you know, I, I find the, the work suits me and, and I enjoy it. So, um, you know, I, I could not have envisioned myself um, as a compliance director um, when I first got into the profession, but I, I found the right fit for me. Well, that's interesting. You've already kind of changed my view on compliance, because I think when people hear that word, they think of it almost as a negative, right? I'm sure you get this all mm -hmm. the time. Like, you're looking for ways to tell people no. And your own mm -hmm. experience, and I'm sure that's obviously part of it, like you said, letter of the law, but your experience was, no, we want to tell everybody yes within the rules, and, and that's that's got to be a kind of a cool part of it, going back to your own experience, like, no, making sure that, that everything is being followed and that the, the letter of the law is being followed. And, by the way, that means you can still play. I think that's an interesting twist that I wouldn't have necessarily thought of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, the, our, our role really is, is to, to help to um, 
protect the integrity of the University of Minnesota first and foremost. But ultimately, it's really it's to help our coaches, um, help them um, understand the rules and do everything that they can within the rules. Because ultimately, um, the things that they do on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, there, there are no secrets in college athletics. Just some of them take a little bit longer to come out uh, than others. Um, but, you know, our goal is uh, to make sure that coaches are, are confident in the decisions that they make on a day-to-day basis, that the things that they are doing, um, you know, are, are within the rules. And there's nothing that we, we enjoy more um, then finding a way to get something done mm-hmm. within the rules. Um, you know, uh, uh, we, we had a rule a, a number of years ago that, you know, we worked with our football staff on, and, you know, we found a, a way to get done what they were looking to get done. And within six, uh, within six months, um, th- they had changed the rule um, because of something that we had done, which, uh, you know, we, we found a way to get, to, to get it done with, uh, with our coaches. I feel like that was on the B and PJ Flex show. Am I on the right track there? <laughs> I feel like I was going to ask you about that, and then I think you just answered that question, which is good. But that is, you know, it, but that's part of your job, though. Is is the rules change a lot, and we're going to talk about NIL and transfer portal and everything. And I know specifically mm-hmm. the university can't really have anything to do with NIL for the student athletes, but you got to be aware a little bit. I'm, I'm imagining of what's going on. But before we talk about that. Um, do you even have a day to day? Like, is there a normal day as a director of compliance, or like just kind of take us through what a day or a week would look like in your role? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, our office is is um, uh, we got we, we've got a, a really uh, really sharp, really hardworking uh, group of folks here who who um, work every day to to make sure that our coaches and student athletes have um, the information that they need. Um, to, to be able to um, to do their jobs, and um, we split up all of our sports um, by staff member. Um, I'm I'm as the director. You know, my goal is and my job is to make sure that our staff members have uh, everything that they need to do their job effectively, um, and then really kind of step in when there are you know higher profile issues. Um, you know, some of the the bigger waivers that come through or. Um, you know, when we have to review an issue um, for, for something that comes up. Um, but then really it's, it's more of, of trying uh, to set the strategic um, direction of, of, of our staff and um, what we are going to focus on and, and the way in which we're going to provide education. Um, every day is absolutely different. Um, even when, you know, I open up my computer in the morning and I've got, you know, uh, a, a plan for what my day is going to be. Um, you know, it takes one coach or one student athlete walking into your office to completely change it. Um, so, you know, that, that's really one of the things that I, that I enjoy about the job is, um, you know, I, I, I never know um, from a day-to-day basis um, what issue exactly um, I'm going to be working on, um, and it, it keeps me on my toes. I don't want to prejudice the question by saying, because it might not be different at all, but from mm-hmm. when you got here October 2015 – in your current role, is it diff- Is the job, I guess, principally different? Is are there uh, a lot of different things that you're dealing with that you maybe never could have thought of back in 2015? Yeah, you know, we, we are we are truly in an unprecedented time <laughs> in in collegiate athletics, um, and with our role as um, really 
you know, nobody's going to accuse the NCAA of, of moving swiftly um, in, <laughs> in, in, in rule changes. Um, so, you know, with um, what we do on a day-to-day basis is, is a good bit different than, than what it has been. And the points of emphasis from us are, um, are, are, are always changing. Um, one of the things that the NCA has been doing over the last couple of years and um, is really kind of continuing to do and, and at an accelerated pace um, is, is to deregulate to a certain extent. Um, so, so take some of the rules that are in the manual right now, take them out of the manual. And I think, you know, originally when, when the NCA embarked on, on that, um, you know, some of us thought, well, that, that maybe changes what our day-to-day is. Maybe we do a little bit less from a day-to-day basis. But I think we found exactly the opposite, which is it's really easy. We don't enjoy it, but it's really easy to say no mm-hmm. um, when there's an NCA rule that says no, right? When coach says, this is exactly what I want to do, um, you know, am I allowed to do it? And there's a rule that says exactly what you want to do, no. Um, that's a that's a 10-second question for me, and I move on with my day. But when the coach says, hey, this is something that I'm looking to do, and there's not a rule that directly addresses it, right, because it's been deregulated, well, you know, number one, i got to make sure that there actually isn't a rule, mm-hmm. that I'm not just missing it, right? But then also, you know, as an institution, we need to um, make sure that we're making the right decision for us as an institution, and a lot of times that involves, you know, us, uh, you know, bringing the sport administrator um, into the conversation or bringing the business office um, into the conversation. So it's, it has caused us certainly to, um, um, you know, to, to have to reach out and be aware of a, a larger circle of, uh, of information and, and make sure that we're bringing the right people into the conversation um, as opposed to just saying, um, you know, the NCA rule is yes or no, and that's that's the end-all, be-all of the conversation. So when it comes to NIL, name, image, and likeness, for those not familiar, mm-hmm. and if you're listening to a college sports podcast, I'm guessing you've heard NIL before. <laughs> it's certainly uh, changed everything, it would appear. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds, but um, sure. I don't know if most people know that the school can't directly like set up deals for student-athletes. I think everybody's been pretty clear on that. But I think you have to have some awareness, I would imagine, of what's going on. So kind of take us through what the compliance department's role is in all of that to make sure that everything is on the up and up there when it comes to whether it's the football team last fall going down to a barbecue place um, or sure. you know, p- p- people running camps uh, with their names if, if, if it's a smaller sport, things like that. So how do you kind of manage mm-hmm. – and make sure that that everything is is being done the way it should be. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and and um, <laughs> you know, depending on when somebody's listening to this, uh, right? Like, uh, this could be a completely different place than we are mm-hmm. today, right? So, with with name, image, and likeness, I like to talk about what we are doing today because it's not necessarily what we were doing last last week, and it's probably not what we're going to be doing next month. Um, this this area has evolved so quickly um, and so broadly um, that that a big part of what we do is just making sure that we have um, our arms around what is going on both locally and nationally. The you know the the kind of breathless news stories of uh, you know a million dollar deal deal here or a hundred thousand dollar deal here. Um, 
you know, are mostly, um, you know, at this point, you know, a lot of it ends up being rumor um, that when, you know, when, when we dig into it a little bit more, um, you know, maybe it's not exactly the way it's being reported is not exactly what's, what's out there. Um, you know, when maybe we talk to a, a staff or, or somebody else at another institution, you know, we get a little bit more information. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when, we, when we embarked on this in July 1 of last year, um, it's, it was really, um, uh, really uncharted territory for, for compliance because the NCAA only provided um, what they called interim guidance, right, as opposed to what what most of our coaches and student athletes and staff are used to, which is very detailed, very specific down to the, you know, down to the letter from the NCAA staff. So for, for our office, um, the very first thing that we had to do was get a name, image, and likeness policy in place and do what made sense for the University of Minnesota. So we worked very quickly with um, making sure to involve, um, you know, student athletes, our, our, some uh, coaching staff members, our, uh, obviously our administration, and, and um, uh, all the way up to, you know, our general counsel's office and, and um, making sure that everyone was comfortable with where we were going to land from a university perspective. Um, our policy is written um, with as few really restrictions as we could. Um, we ultimately want to make sure that we aren't standing in the way of our student athletes capitalizing on legitimate name, image, and likeness opportunities. Um, with that being said, we still need to make sure that, you know, some other university policies are being met. We need to make sure that the interim guidance from the NCAA as, um, you know, as scant as it was, that, that that is being followed as well. So, you know, really on a, on a day-to-day basis, we're doing the best that we can to advise our student athletes, staff, and coaches of kind of where the lines are. Um, and then also, you know, speaking to, you know, local businesses or, um, you know, individuals interested in, in um, working through a, 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 through a collective, you know, the, the most, uh, you know, the biggest buzzword of the day for, yep. for collectives, yep. um, to, to make sure that they're being um, uh, set up and, and run in, in an appropriate way that, that, that works for the University of Minnesota student-athletes um, and, and uh, follows, um, follows the, the guidance that's out there. How much time have you spent talking to your counterparts, whether it's at the Big Ten or even people that you used to work with in the NCAA or around the country, about how they're navigating these same waters and challenges? Um, you know, the, the, the one bit of solace that I take from those conversations is everybody's in the same boat, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, they're, they're, um, you know, there's not a conference or a school in the country who said, you know what? We've got it. It's working perfectly. There are no issues, um, and you know, and we're comfortable with what our um, with you know with with all of our uh, competitors are doing, and uh, we understand the direction that this is going. Um, it's it's really the um, um, uncertainty that's out there with um, you know the NCA has the has the interim guidance out there, but but nobody really knows how far they're going to go with the, um, with the enforcement of that, right? There certainly has not been a lot of visible um, um, public action from the NCA on the topic, 
but that doesn't mean that a week from now or a month from now or a year from now they're they're not going to um you know uh, they're not going to follow up on that interim guidance they had so you know really it's about making sure that the the guidance that we're providing to our coaches um and that we're providing to our our student athletes um is you know something that even a year from now we're going to be able to look back on it and and be okay with with where we were Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate not one based on Carol she's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her why pay a rate based on anyone else get one based on you with drivewise from Allstate Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. When it comes to the transfer portal, obviously that's mm-hmm. that's going to be an admissions part of it too. But like you say, you work with everybody. At the end of the day, you're I'm assuming in charge of whether or not a student athlete's eligible or not eligible. So. How does that process work when, you know, just you know, this week, for example, a couple of people want to come and say, hey, I'm going to be gophers um, in terms of getting them into school in terms of credits, in terms of all of the things that go along with it, whether a waiver is necessary or whatever, like just kind of distill the transfer portal for us and how that's changed for you. Yeah, the transfer portal is, is um, you know, <laughs> uh, it's brought brought a whole new dimension to to the things that that we do on a day to day basis. You know, I will say that we are um, for for a number of the things you mentioned, we're incredibly lucky um, to have um, an, an academic uh, advising staff. Uh, you know, JT Bruett, uh, the director of the Lindahl Academic Center, um, and his staff of academic advisors um, that that work exclusively with our student athletes and our teams. Um, are, are incredibly good at their job in supporting student athletes um, and incoming student athletes. Um, you know, our admissions office is is um, tremendous at, at turning around um, decisions um, quickly and and kind of giving advisory decisions. Um, so we're we're incredibly lucky to, to work with folks um, that understand um, that understand the increased importance in. Um, in, in transfers um, and, and the part that they play um, w- within college athletics these days. You know, I think there's been a lot of conversation about um, the number of, of student-athletes in the transfer portal um, and the number of institutions. Um, you know, um, uh, we've, we've experienced both sides of it, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, you know, our men's basketball program um, a year ago, um, was, um, you know, was there, there were outgoing transfers. And then, you know, this year, uh, you know, I, I, I read one, um, recent, uh, one recent note that, you know, we're one of only, um, a handful of programs in the entire country that does not have a transfer out, right. um, from our men's basketball team. So, um, you know, so it's just, it's, it's a very, um, it's, it's a very, uh, challenging place to be in from a, from a year to year perspective. Um, but, you know, I think one thing that hasn't really been talked about enough when we talk about the number of student athletes in the transfer portal, um, you get lots of, of quotes about how many are in and, um, you know, during the last two years uh, of COVID during uh, the spring of 2020 and then through the 20, um, 2021 academic year, um, the NCAA granted, an additional year of eligibility 
for any student athlete participating in a, in a spring sport in 2020 or fall or winter sports in, in 21. So in Division I alone, that works out to about 180,000 years of eligibility. Um, you know, our, the system, <laughs> the, the college athletic system where it's you start, you have five years and you're out, um, you know, and you kind of have that, that constant, you know, in and out um, on a year-to-year basis. Um, when, you, when you throw 180,000 extra years right into the middle of that, um, that's going to cause a disruption. And I think part of what we're seeing with the transfer portal um, is, is, is really that, that disruption. You know, we're seeing a lot more um, student-athletes having opportunities to go on and get graduate degrees, right, right? because they've, they've completed their undergraduate program, or go back and get, you know, get additional work, get a certificate, get um, you know, additional educational opportunities um, because of what that extra year provided. But, you know, that also brings with it, you know, additional complications and challenges for, um, you know, for everybody. That's such a great point, too. And I've been saying that as well, Jeremiah, that like this is so new. I mean, the portal, it mm-hmm. seems like it's been around forever, but this is really the second official year of the portal, if I remember correctly. And you have the COVID year, which is going to throw mm-hmm. everything completely haywire at all levels, not just Division One. So do you have... I know, like you say, you're kind of week to week because everything can change, but I've been saying let's see how everything looks in five years. Let's let everything settle a little bit. Let's kind of come out of the pandemic and then see where things are because I do think that extra year of eligibility has had a huge impact on who's coming and who's going and what that means for high school opportunities as well going on to the next level. So I feel like a decade from now we're going to have a much bigger understanding of what the whole what the whole portal situation is actually going to look like on a year to year basis. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right with that, and that's you know there there are so many different factors that played into that first that last year, that first year of the portal, and then also this year, right? That we've seen the number of graduates in the portal go up, right, right. as a percentage, um, you know, and we also see. Uh, you know, again, a number of student athletes who are going into the portal um, right now and and aren't finding a landing spot. Um, and I think all of those things on a year over year basis are going to have an impact, right? Um, you know, if I'm at if I'm a student athlete at an institution and um, you know maybe I think the grass is greener somewhere else, and um, you know, but I've uh, over the last year or so, you know, I've seen two or three of my former teammates not end up in a landing spot. Um, you know, I think that's going to impact um, it on a year-to-year basis. So, you know, I think at minimum before, you know, some of the changes that are, that are being talked about, um, you know, I think at minimum I'd like to see um, a, a little bit more time um, and data um, uh, on the transfer portal and what the impact is without um, that COVID year of eligibility um, before we start you know, trying to make meaningful changes and understand how these all of these different parts of NCA rules work together um, uh, to best benefit um, the, the collegiate model and, and collegiate athletics. Last thing on this particular part of it, um, obviously the NCAA granted the, the one-time transfer um, within the mm-hmm. last year. Now there's other transfers where whether a, a player has transferred before or what, for whatever the reason – the, the whole waiver process. I mean, take us on the inside mm-hmm. of, of what that might look like when someone, even before the portal opened, where you say, okay, we want to transfer, but we don't want to sit out, and there might be a legitimate reason for that. We've 
had a hardship, we've had a family deal, whatever. What does the waiver process look like? That seems like it's a lot of waiting to hear exactly what we've been over this, you know, for a long time about will they get a waiver, will they not? And sometimes we don't know why someone's going to get a waiver. What can you tell us about that whole process? Yeah, waivers are um, waivers are tough, and, and not not necessarily um, speaking from the the University of Minnesota side of it, but just generally speaking, um, you know, if a waiver is being sought, that means that something not good happened. Right. Right. Um, you know, it's never um, I need an extra year because uh, my life is going perfectly. Right. 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 So. Um, when having been at the NCAA and seen that side of it, um, you know, it, it is challenging to be able to make um, consistent decisions and fair decisions when sometimes, uh, you know, that, that can, to be able to make that consistent and fair decision. Um, and, and when I say that, I mean, you know, fair to all student athletes um, across all institutions um, sometimes it's not, you know, it's not the right outcome for the individual student athlete. And those are really, really difficult, um, decisions to make. Um, you know, the, the NCAA, um, uh, is ultimately a member driven organization where, um, you know, if you serve on a given committee, um, you get an opportunity to set the, the guidelines and, and the guidance for all schools to, to be able to see. So, when we get a waiver in or when we get a, 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 a coach recruiting a student athlete in a given sport and, you know, we advise them on, on the front end during the recruitment process, you know, hey, coach, this person, based on the, the rule itself, is not going to be eligible. Right. So they would require a waiver. Um, you know, our next step is to really start to break down what are the reasons for the transfer, um, you know, in the, from the student athlete, in their own words, what, why are you transferring? What what is it that that is causing you to leave the institution where you are, and what is it that brings you to our institution? And from there, as we kind of start to to, to get that story, and we we start to develop that information, then we're at a stamp, then we're at a, a place where um, we need to start having the documentation. We need to gather the documentation to be able to submit to the NCAA. So while the student athletes, um, you know, the story that they lay out for us might be really compelling, um, whether or not we can get the objective documentation that we need um, to meet the NCAA's documentation standard for that waiver um, is, is um, that's oftentimes what we are waiting for for, for a long period of time. Um, is is waiting for that appropriate documentation so that we can we can hit submit. Um, you know, ultimately, our role is to um, in in those cases is to serve as an advocate for the student athlete with the NCAA and put together the best possible waiver that we can with the facts that we have and the documentation that we can that we can back it up with. And, um, and and get that waiver submitted and then and then advocate with the NCAA with them. Um, and you know we we've we've been on both sides of those waivers. Um, yep. You know we've had we've had success, we've had some disappointment, and um, and same with student athletes who, who leave the University of Minnesota. You know on the other end they've they've had success and, and had disappointments as well. Yeah. So what is that waiting like? I mean, I have to imagine the coach and the and the student athletes are blowing you up. <laughs> 
and saying, hey, what's going on? What are we hearing? I thought this was going to be – is that – I mean, that's got to be a, a, an anxiety-filled time, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Uh, um, you know, it's amazing. The, the frequency of phone calls from coaches, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, has a direct relation to uh, when the season starts yeah. and – uh, whether or not we are waiting for documentation from them or they are waiting for an answer from us. So, right. <laughs> um, yeah, we, you know, I, honestly, we, we really do our best to keep our, um, to keep everyone um, up to date um, as things move along in the process. And, um, you know, every once in a while you, you, you got to make a phone call and, and, and ask what the holdup is or, um, but I, you know, generally speaking, um, you know, the majority of the time uh, waiting um, is really from a documentation standpoint is, is, is waiting for, um, you know, getting enough and the, and the correct documentation so that we can put a case forward to the NCAA that makes it an easy and quick decision for them. Last thing on this, because this is fascinating to me, and I hope mm-hmm. the people listening, um, I've always heard that sometimes with transfers, like, it used to be you needed a release from your old school. Obviously, that, mm-hmm. I think, has now gone by the wayside because of the portal. But when it comes to waiver situations, is there stuff that has to come from the from the previous school as well, whether it's a player leaving the University of Minnesota wants to go somewhere else or vice versa? I mean, is it a two-sided thing sometimes when a player is looking for that immediate eligibility waiver? Yeah, so um, a couple of years ago, yes. Um, okay. that, that, that was always a part of every waiver was, um, you know, the previous institution essentially had to put in writing, um, you know, whether or not they were in support of the waiver or not. Um, thankfully, that is something that um, has really gone away um, out of the NCAA waiver space um, because it's just you, you put the school in an impossible spot. Right. 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 Um, you know, where, where um, since we are, uh, again, a, a member-driven organization, um, where there is still some opportunity for, um, you know, for involvement from the previous institution, would be if there is some sort of, um, if there's an allegation of misconduct or some sort at the previous institution, um, if that is the basis for the waiver. Um, in those cases, the previous institution um, gets an opportunity to respond, right? Um, to see to see the allegations against uh, made against them and and, and respond. Um, but you know, at the compliance office level, you know, we really, um, you know, we have a good working relationship with you know certainly our peers in the Big Ten, um, but then you know also more broadly, um, you know, we're 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 all trying to do our best to advocate for our student athletes and and teams, and and I think we understand that and. Um, and do our best to, to work along uh, to, to work alongside them to, um, to to be helpful how we can. All right, last topic, and thanks for answering all those. I, that was really interesting sure. stuff on the inside. Um, how does one go from a walk-on to a starter <laughs> and an all-Big Ten-level player at the University of Minnesota, especially when it doesn't sound like you played football until you were in, like, seventh grade? So you, you're growing yeah. up in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You move here right before mm-hmm. high school. You play at St. Mm-hmm. Paul Central, and then you go on to basically star at the U. So fill in. I'm asking you to fill in the blanks in a short amount of time, <laughs> of basically your entire childhood and collegiate life. But that was it's a it's a kind of a fascinating thing to me how how that all took place. What do you remember about that time? Yeah, so you know, I, I as you know, right? So I grew up in State College. Um, you know, uh, I could you know I could walk to Beaver Stadium, and and you know, I I I grew up 
with college football being a, a part of my life every day. And, um, and it was always something that I wanted to do. Um, you know, when we moved here to Minnesota, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, I started playing football in eighth grade. Um, you know, I was always uh, big. Um, I was not coordinated and I was not strong. So <laughs> that didn't really change throughout, uh, throughout high school. I was still big, but you know, that, that, that's about all I had going for me. Um, you know, I'm incredibly lucky that, um, I, I graduated high school when I did, uh, and that, uh, Glenn Mason was the, the coach at the University of Minnesota, um, and that the style of offensive line play, yeah. um, really, really kind of suited my skill set, which is, um, you know, bigger, a little bit more athletic, could move a little more. Um, you know, as opposed to the, the big road grader style, which, you know, I was never, I was never going to be. Um, so, you know, I, I got here in, in 98 and, um, you know, I, and I, I, the coaches gave me a shot, right. And, and that's, um, I, I took it for all it was worth, uh, worked hard in the, you know, worked hard in the weight room, um, kind of overcame a couple of injuries that I had along the way. And, um, you know, uh, stayed ready and, and an injury or two happened, uh, you know, scholarship guy or two transfer and, um, you wait around long enough and you're, if you're a good teammate and you listen to your coaches, you're going to have a shot to play. Um, and that's, um, you know, that's, that's what I learned growing up, uh, you know, from my family and that's what I did. And, and, and they were right. Um, I had an opportunity to play and, and took, took every advantage of it. Well, and it seemed like a really fun time, to be in the program too, because Mace had kind of you know gotten that thing going a little bit from where he took over. I mean, two thousand mm-hmm. obviously is the Ohio State victory. You've got bowl games in there, um, like that. It seems like that had to be a really exciting time to be part of the program too, just generally. You know, being having the opportunity in nineteen ninety nine. Um, you know, a couple things happened in that year. My second year in the program. You know, number one. You know, for me personally, I got to be on the travel team and on the field. There you go. Uh, when we when we beat Penn State, <laughs> yep. um, when they were number two in the country, um, and and also, um, you know, in this day and age, when when you know, frankly, when we when our expectation is to go to bowl games, um, it's hard to remember what it was like in '99 when we hadn't been to a bowl game um, in in over a decade. Um, to be a part of the program that that took us back to a bowl game, um, the Sun Bowl that year, um, for the first time, and then having that sustained success over the next, um, you know, over, over the next few years, um, you know, was just, it was really, really meaningful. Um, not to mention, you know, I got to, I, I got to block as an offensive lineman for some tremendous uh, running backs. Yep. Uh, you know, Mar- Marion Barber, uh, my, my senior year, but, you know, Telus Redmond, um, you know, uh, just, just all sorts of, of, of really tremendous running backs and, and, um, great, great group of players, um, uh, great team. Um, and, you know, I, I, um, I, am very thankful for, for my time here as a player. And what, what's it like now? People might not know. I mean, you and I see each other basically every Saturday cause you're down on the field. Sure. So what, what's it <laughs> yeah. been like, you know, just even the last couple of years, you know, you think about the Wisconsin game, you think about obviously mm-hmm. the Penn state game. That's another one that I'm sure had personal meaning for you just to kind of see it. Mm-hmm. And there obviously, you know, even before that, there were great moments as well in terms of people coming down onto the field and everything. What's that been yeah. like for you as a guy who played here, as a guy who obviously works here and is invested in this university to see 
just what the crowds have kind of been like here, especially after not having anybody um, in 2020. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, having having played my games in the Metrodome, um, <laughs> you know, uh, and not the field turf Metrodome, the old, yeah. uh, you know, con- green concrete Metrodome. Yep. Um, but just to, to be in and around the stadium on game days with the energy and excitement that is around Gopher football is, um, you know, is, is as an alumni is awesome as an employee knowing that we work with this staff on a day-to-day basis and that they are getting done, uh, getting things done. Um, a lot of them that, that really haven't been done here in a really long time, but that they're doing them the right way um, is what, you know, is what I really, uh, I really take pride in. Um, you know, this, it is a staff that we are in contact with, uh, when I say every day, I mean every day. Yeah. Um, and um, and they have a, a desire to to do things well and to do them the right way, so that they you know so that the the, the results last. Um, so to be able to partner with them and and see the success um, on the field um, is just um, it's it's, uh, it's it's a great feeling. Well, I really appreciate you taking all the time and uh, kind of taking us in the weeds and behind the scenes on what exactly compliance means and everything that goes into it. And uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. It's a spring game, I hope. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thanks again to Jeremiah Carter for taking the time, the Director of Athletic Compliance at the U. Really enjoyed that. Was fascinated by it, if you couldn't tell, by all the different things that goes across his desk and all the different things that they deal with. And I loved, you may have heard his first answer. You think of compliance, you think someone that tells everybody no, he got into compliance because somebody once told him yes when it came to his own eligibility, and that's what drives him to try to find creative solutions and solutions to get everybody the answers that they want while following the letter of the law. I thought that was really cool. I hope you enjoyed that as well. Thanks again to Schuler Shoes for their great support all season long here on the Golden Gopher Podcast. Don't forget, if you like this, please subscribe, please rate, please tell a Gopher fan friend in your life about us, and we'll talk to you next week on the Golden Gopher Podcast. The Golden Gopher Podcast has been brought to you by Schuler Shoes, where comfort and style are always in step. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Gopher Sports Network. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.